Hello and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number 30. And I have three spooky stories for you today. And story number one comes from Gemma. I've been a paranormal investigator for the past five years now. Actually hosting paranormal investigations with members of the public in jails, castles and old houses. I've used many methods to try and encourage activity as guests wait in anticipation and are shocked and flabbergasted when something unexplained happens. On these events, unusual activity is expected, but sometimes things have happened to me when I wasn't expecting it, and it definitely was not explainable or possible. I'm 37 now, but let me take you back to when I was a 20-year-old film production student with an ever-present obsession with the paranormal. It had been there since I was eight years old after watching Strange But True with my dad. Living on the North Wales coast, for the younger dolls there was not that much to do, so myself and my friends used to drive around and sometimes go exploring abandoned buildings and generally go where we weren't allowed. One night I suggested we go and explore Grich Castle again. Now instead of me describing the building, if you've watched the past two series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, you will have seen the castle on television. For those who haven't, it's a huge, creepy and at the time derelict castle looking mansion. So I drive myself and my three friends up the long road that leads to the castle, which is perched on the top of quite a steep hill. It was dusk so just going dark. We went about exploring the various rooms, outer buildings and walking across the beams that were suspended over neck-breaking drops. The path that went around the back of the castle was very overgrown and we had to fight our way through the long grass, branches and brambles to get back to the front of the castle. We'd stopped to look up a turret at the end of this path when I glanced to my left so I was looking back towards where we had just come from when I froze. Now my brain took a few seconds to compute what I was seeing because coming towards me through the long grass, trees and brambles was a black figure. Now my brain was telling me to run. I shouted at my friends to run. I think at this point pack mentality kicked in because they freaked out and ran with me, yet they had no idea why we were running. That question soon followed. There was a courtyard at the front of the castle, so when we got to the other side of that I stopped. Out of breath, I explained to them what I saw. They all wanted to leave, and who could blame them? I didn't want to leave. I know what I saw, but I thought maybe it was a person and my brain just hadn't seen them right. There were sometimes homeless people who slept there. Whatever it was would either have to go back up the overgrown path it had come from, or come out into view in front of us at some point. So I just said, wait a minute. We kept our eyes on the area we had just ran from. One of my friends got spooked and continued down some steps next to us and was looking up at us when she saw all of our faces drop. There was a very good reason for this. Our gaze was broken by a woman in an old-fashioned red dress who walked out of a wall to the left of us. It was just going dark, but she seemed to glow, almost as if there had been a hole poked in the fabric between her world and ours. She had curly blonde hair and had a white shawl around her waist that went over both of her arms. I remember being transfixed and I couldn't look away. She walked slowly across the courtyard and glanced sideways at us before looking straight ahead again and continuing to walk across the courtyard. A very loud scream broke the trance I was in while looking at her 
and we ran down the stairs next to us and down the very steep hill in front of the castle with no regard for our own safety. When we got far enough away from the castle to feel safe, I asked both my friends who were next to me at the time what they saw and they both said a lady in a red dress. We were absolutely petrified and also at a loss to explain what had happened or where she had come from. We got back in the car and drove to one of my friend's houses to look online to see if any ghosts had ever been seen there and what we found made our blood run cold but also helped us not to feel so crazy. There were a few ghostly sightings there and one was of a woman in a red dress. She had been seen by a famous boxer who had been staying at the castle while training for a fight. It was said that she was the daughter of one of the owners of the castle when it was a grand family home hundreds of years ago. She fell off her horse and died. She said she wanted to be buried in the castle grounds but her wishes were not carried out so her spirit cannot rest. That night I am not ashamed to say I slept in the same bed as my mum as my dad was away on business. I've had many, many more experiences, as you can imagine, doing what I do, like hearing the voice of an old lady telling my son to be quiet in the dead of night because he was in bed coughing, or when making my way to the toilet in the pitch black dark at an event in Bowmore's jail, I had my name whispered in my ear by a man who wasn't there. I politely said, not now, and continued on my way to the loo. It is experiences like these that motivate me to be a paranormal investigator and actually host events. I know seeing a full body apparition is a ghost hunter's holy grail, but I still want to know how these things happen. Was the lady in red an intelligent spirit and we were just lucky? Or was it a residual recording? Or does it prove the stone tape theory in some way? The lady did walk out of a stone wall so maybe her image was projected out of that wall because conditions were just right and we were in the right place at the right time. Who knows? But I am going to try my very best to find out. Gemma, I am absolutely convinced 100% that you're going to keep me updated on your trying to find out and I would like to apologise for my absolute butchery of that lovely castle name. I did look it up to see... And I just couldn't get my mouth to make the sound. I have real trouble rolling my oars. So I couldn't couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I tried my best. I'm sorry. I watched a YouTube video about it and everything about how to pronounce it. I actually haven't watched any of I'm a Celebrity in many, many years. So I haven't seen this particular castle. But I am aware that there was a lot of hype when I'm a Celebrity moved to that castle that about the castle being haunted and you know the types of things that have happened there and I know I'm pretty sure Gemma Gemma I'm if I remember correctly you added in to your story that your story in particular was in various uh, newspapers at the time and it is a pretty convincing story like it is not often you have multiple people that all see a full-bodied apparition and of a woman kind of walking through a courtyard and you all got to see it you all stood for a second and watched her and then legged it like that is that's not very common and like you said it is the holy grail of ghost hunting and to be honest if that happened to me I'd probably have dedicated my life to the paranormal as well I mean look here I am with a paranormal podcast I'm gonna do a shameless patreon plug now because if you want to learn more about Bowmore's jail 
Uh, we did a whole episode on that very spooky place with my lo- wonderful friend Tim Cloak, who used to work there. He used to do reenactments of various historical events that happened at the jail. But Gemma, I love the attitude. I love the polite, not now. And just continuing, we are not doing this right now, okay? I know you're there. Thank you. It's not happening. And story number two comes from Alexis. I remember in elementary school in southern New Jersey when I lived across the street from my best friend Crystal. And earlier that day at my local library, I borrowed a book about unsolved murders and ghosts. I brought the book to my friend Crystal's house. All of our other friends were there and we all looked it over and saw a story about a girl whose murder was unsolved. And all of us being the impressionable young kids we were, we all thought it was a great idea to hold a makeshift seance and have her tell us who killed her. So we all went upstairs to my friend Crystal's bedroom, which was an open-ish area that was right next to the attic door. We all joined hands while sitting on my friend's bed and started to chant the little girl's name. We kept chanting until we heard footsteps coming from the attic and then we saw the doorknob turn. Needless to say, we all jumped up screaming and ran downstairs. I fell down the stairs, which caused her cat to get startled and run into the kitchen from the open area by the front door. We all then ran into the living room and huddled on the couch. Soon after, the temperature in the room dropped to really cold. Just to add context, it was June and her house didn't have central aircon, only window units in two rooms in the house. The living room was not one of them. At that point, Crystal's mom came home and yelled at us for being inside and to go outside and play. At that point, we ran outside to play. But the story doesn't end there. Later that evening, Crystal was to spend the night over at my house to watch movies. We stayed up until midnight and we were watching TV and then decided to have a midnight snack. We left my grandmom's room. Her room had the TV in it and this was 1995. We walked through the living room and once we made it to the kitchen, we stopped in our tracks. Standing right next to the kitchen table was a little girl dressed in white holding a doll. I was terrified and whispered to Crystal and asked her if she could see what I could see. She told me yes. We quickly ran back into my grandmother's room and closed the door and stayed under the covers for the rest of the night until the sun came up. What have we all said? about seances and summoning things it's always a no-go it's not a good idea she ain't going to come and tell you what happened to her she's going to come and ruin your life she's going to come and rattle that doorknob she's going to come and show up in your kitchen holding a doll creepily in the middle of the night okay it's never a good idea it's never going to end well you're not going to solve the murder what's going to happen is you're going to end up lumbered with a little ghost girl. Okay? We haven't had a PSA in a while. So Alexis, you are the subject of the PSA. Do not do what Alexis and her friends do, no matter how good the book was that you got from the library. Thank you. And story number three comes from Kimberly. I was about two and a half years old when this happened. While I can't remember much from this period of my life, this experience has stayed with me all these years. My mother had sat with me while I said my prayers, and then tucking me in, she wished me a good night's sleep. I lay there contemplating what only a two and a half year old child can, insert inner monologue here, 
I wish I had a real bunny. I would love it so much and I'd give it the best name. I don't know what it would be, but it would be the best. I remember being dark outside as it was early winter in the northeast. Portland, Maine, USA to be precise. The head of my bed was directly under a window. Outside that window sat an oak tree. I remember noticing the shadows of the branches dancing on the walls and the ceiling of my room. I was not upset or afraid. I was not anxious in the least. In fact, I usually enjoyed it and I called it my dancing tree. However, that night, something changed. It was subtle at first. The movement seemed a little off. I can't explain it any better than that. Somehow my young brain recognised this minor discrepancy and it stopped my thoughts of the bunny that I wanted. I was absolutely transfixed. Suddenly the shadows of the branches seemed to lower as if they were reaching towards me. At this point I began to feel a heaviness in the room, a sensation I had never experienced. It felt wrong, I felt threatened and confused. The tree had always seemed happy to me and now it seemed menacing. I tried to yell for my mother, but I couldn't seem to get anything out besides a whisper. I looked up to the window above my head and saw the physical branches of the tree had come through the window, yet the window was closed and the glass was not broken. I tried to get out of my bed and leave the room, but I found I couldn't. My blankets wouldn't allow it. They held me down. I tried yelling again with the same results. I closed my eyes tight and felt a scratching sensation on my face and arms. I felt like one of the twigs on one of the branches had snagged the collar of my nightgown. I opened my eyes and could see the branches draped over and grappling with my covers. I tried to yell for my mother again, and this time it worked. I heard my mother coming down the hallway towards my room, and with that the branches snapped back out the window. Their shadows returned to normal, just as my mother flung the door open and hit the light switch. I was inconsolable at this point. She asked me what was wrong, but I couldn't articulate it. All I could stammer was the tree. My mother looked outside at the now innocently standing oak and asked me, what about the tree? I said, it's a bad tree. My mother asked, why is it a bad tree? And all I could say was that it had scared me. Years later, a movie came out that remains one of my favourites to this day. There is, however, one scene that I would prefer didn't exist, as it still strikes such a chord with me. The movie is Poltergeist. The scene, I'm sure you might recall, is the tree outside their son Robbie's room coming in through the window to attack him. I'm 58 years old now and the memory of that experience is just as powerful now as it was then. Was it my imagination? Perhaps. Was I asleep and dreamt it? Maybe. If I were, however, to offer up my opinion, it would be this. Children are born having one foot in the world they have newly entered and one in the world they have recently left. On some level, for a time, they are aware of both. On occasion, one might argue that the two worlds overlap and the experience can be unsettling. Some of us lose our ability to sense the world we left behind either because adults in our life repeatedly tell us that what we were experiencing is not real a figment of our imaginations or born out of our dreams. I found that despite my parents' admonitions, I continue to have experiences, and still do to this day. I see spirits of those who have died. I've also seen and sensed dark malevolent beings who are not human and never have been.
kind of sounds like a really like extreme case of sleep paralysis but how strange is it that like years later that exact scene cropped up in poltergeist because that scene in poltergeist is scary as shit like it really is when the tree comes in through the window i know like in terms of cgi and whatever whatever and movie magic nowadays it's not as scary but you know when i first saw that it was scary how weird that that was your sleep paralysis or your paranormal event and it cropped up again in poltergeist years later you must have shit yourself the first time you watched poltergeist you must have been like um i know what that is Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Gemma, Alexis and Kimberly for sending in your stories. Remember, if you've got a story that you would like to share, you can send it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. 